Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Terrace Talk. The first round of midweek fixtures in the Championship. Norwich City welcome Birmingham City to Carrow Road on Tuesday evening. Um, a game where Norwich will probably look to be kicking on and Birmingham will probably be looking to uh, to break their their cycle of, of, of draws in successive games. So it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Birmingham, of course, now under Ita Karanka, who you might remember from uh, that playoff final game against Middlesbrough, of course, his side on the on the losing end that day. I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Gabriel Sutton, Birmingham City fan and EFL pundit, as well as Jacob Robinson, Norwich fan. Uh, guys, and, and part of Canary Cast, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll add that in as well for you, Jacob. Ne- nearly <laughs> forgot. Um, Gav, let's, let's come to you. <laughs> well, that's the main thing. At least one of us remembered. Uh, Gav, let's come to you first. Uh, h- how are you doing? How are you finding the championship, the EFL to cover so far? Because obviously it's your the sort of day-to-day job, isn't it? How are you? How are you finding it? It's been a crazy start, I presume. Yeah, it's been um, it's been really exciting actually following the championship so far. I think it's still very early on in the season, obviously, but I think one of the central themes you can see from the season so far is that we're probably not going to have a Newcastle or a Wolves that are going to kind of dominate the division and um, and make the automatic promotion race quite boring. I think there's a lot of teams that. Uh, towards the top of the table that um, aren't necessarily um, fly, firing on all cylinders. And I think there's a lot of teams around the mid-table mark who um, maybe you've got a little bit more, another another gear to go up. So uh, I think it's going to be a really in- interesting season, especially in terms of the promotion race. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It, it does look like a level division, obviously Bristol City leading the way at the moment. But that, as we know with the Championship, a, a couple of wins or a team that strings a, a couple of results together, particularly at this stage, you can you can climb up the division, can't you? So it's, it's kind of difficult at, at this early stage. And I know a lot of people, myself included, have been trying to sort of draw trends and analyse Norwich City's performances in the round. But that's that's very difficult to do for any team at this stage of the season, isn't it? Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Norwich haven't fully clicked yet, but um, hopefully that second half show against Rotherham is a uh, slow progression to uh, getting towards where we want to be. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was obviously sat in, in Daniel Farker's press conference today and um, it was it was interesting how much he, he kind of took out of that Rotherham win because although it wasn't probably a vintage display, it wasn't the best Norwich City display that you'll see, he did take a lot of confidence in terms of the fact that maybe it'll allow Norwich to build some momentum up, starting with obviously these these two home fixtures that they've got over the next few days, starting with Birmingham. Jacob, do, do you see it in that way? Something that they can they can draw positivity and confidence from, especially given perhaps all of the all of the noise they've had to contend with. If you want to, if you want to use a Stuart Webber phrase. <laughs> No, yeah, I think the main thing to look at it from, well, obviously last season we didn't pick up a, a single point um, from losing positions and obviously we did against Preston earlier on, um, but to win away from home in a tricky place against Rotherham, they're not they're not an easy side to play against. It, it did, whilst we didn't really fully click, you know, it's, it's a sign of champions or potential a good team of um, winning when you're not not playing fully at it. I think when you look at these two games this week, uh, this week coming up, you've really got to get six points. Oh, a big statement straight off the bat, Jacob. We we, we love that. Um, Gab, let, let's let's come to you on on Birmingham. Then, obviously, a, a kind of a, a new start again under a new manager. It kind of feels like something that Birmingham fans have had to get used to over the last few years, having a, a few managers. What's the transition been like from Pep Clotet last season to uh, to Ita Karanka this season? 
Yeah, I think one of the first things Ice has tried to do is tighten things up because um, after the restart last season, uh, we did leak quite a lot of goals, a comparable defensive record to Hull, who of course shipped eight at Wigan and things like that. So uh, very poor defensively towards the back end of the train. And um, I think there's been a change in that under Karanka. Um, we obviously got that 1-0 win uh, over Brentford on the opening day, which I think was really important. He's brought in uh, George Friend and Adam Clayton, who are pretty key parts of his middle side that you mentioned earlier, who um, won automatic promotion from the 7 and 15 team, conceding 31 goals. Um, and now, obviously, they're not necessarily going to have the legs that they maybe did a few years ago, but they have got that organisational mess, which I think has really helped us. So um, I still think there's a lot of work to do in terms of what we do in possession, but I think out of possession, we've been pretty solid so far. And, and I think the number of goals we conceded, uh, one defeat so far, I think that's what it leads to that. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I guess that, that defensive... Um stability is something that Karanka brings, isn't it? It's kind of been associated with his teams, whether that's been the, the Middlesbrough side that he, he got up to the Premier League, um, Foresters uh, as well, although maybe to a lesser extent. It, it, are we seeing the theme again at, at Birmingham where it is sort of building from the back forwards to, to some extent? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think what you're kind of seeing is uh, there's sort of partnerships that he's trying to kind of build on. And um, I look at uh, Harley Dean and, and George Trent, who I mentioned earlier. Harley Dean's a really aggressive centre-back. He'll kind of be thinking for a moment that he can challenge for a ball. He'll absolutely do it. Um, George Friend, I think, is a bit more cultured. He'll kind of try and hold the shape. He's a good organiser. Um, and I think that's maybe what we missed a little bit last season when we were with Michael Morrison, who had had year before. So I think Friends has been a really key addition from that perspective. And then in midfield, it's a similar sort of thing. I mean, Ivan uh, Sundic didn't play against Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday, but I'd imagine he'll come back in for the trip to Carrow Road. And um, again, him partnering Clayton, you'll have Sundic kind of skipping about the pitch, trying to put challenges in, and then Clayton very much holding his position and keeping shape of things in place. So you've got Friend and Clayton who are kind of keeping the shape. And you've got Dean and Sanjit uh, who are more aggressive. So I think that's generally how we're going to operate. From what Gab has said there, Jacob, it, it seems like Norwich are, are going to have to get themselves ready to face another side with a, a deep block that they have to try and, and, and break down. Is that something that, that you think is, is perhaps going to be a bit more of a test than what we saw against Rotherham, which was quite, a, quite an intense press from, from the opposition? Yeah, I thought Rotherham were, were spot on with the way they went because whilst whilst you can drop deep against Norwich and find success there, I think we, we were really surprised by Rotherham and just the pure aggression of their press and, well, their, their goal kind of spoke volumes of that poor Tim Krull pass, but they, they latched onto it well. Yeah, Birmingham will just sit back. Uh, I can't really see too much of them having possession. I think Lecco on the break will be a, uh, an issue and, well, Jukovic, if he's fit, so I think will be a real issue if he... Um, drifts off to the back stick for, uh, between Max Aaron's. But yeah, like you say, it, at the moment, it's quite easy to play against Norwich if you do drop deep and um, are solid enough. It's it's difficult for them to break through the lines. Hopefully, um, a more fit Emmy Buendia and Marco Schneeperman will be able to cut through those lines and um, find um, Jordan Hugel if he plays again. Mm, we, we seem to have lost your camera, Jacob. Um, I'm not sure if, if, if you're aware, <laughs> but um, it's, it's all going well at the start of this, but that's fine. I'm sure oh, you can... There, there we go. There we go. Oh, it's gone again. It's gone again. Sorry. Um, I wanted to mention um, Todd Cantwell to you. He's, he's obviously been been past fit for this game. He's had a bit of a difficult start to the season. Will it give Norwich a, a boost in, in dealing with that 
sort of defensive setup and, and and trying to unlock that door? Do you think having having him back in the eighteen? If he's fully on it, then he is a top operator at this level. It's just a shame that we haven't seen that from him yet. I think the pressing game at home, I don't think he performed brilliantly. And then he's been left out because of um, transfer rumours, shall we say. I don't know if there was really a specific bid from Leeds. But on his day, he can definitely um, cause a major issue in that in that Birmingham defence, for sure. Gab, you've seen, I'm sure, plenty of Norwich already this season. What way do you think is, is the best to go about it? Because we've seen teams go with conflicting styles against Norwich with fairly sort of differing levels of success really we saw Preston and and Rotherham Preston really high and that that really worked in terms of suffocating Norwich's style of play and then we've seen probably Bournemouth and, and Derby win two games 1-0 by by playing a five at the back and sitting really deep and saying go on then break us down so as a, as a Birmingham fan how, how would you like to see your side set up against Norwich? Well, I think the first thing is going to be sort of doubling up on Emmy Brandier and making sure that we stop him playing because uh, I do think that he's going to be the key sort of creative force for, for the Canaries. And um, I kind of look at the 18-19 title winning side when um, you obviously had uh, Leitner, I think, in the first half of that season and then Brandic kind of came to the fore with that performance at Leeds and things like that. And you always had you know one or two technicians in that midfield. And um, I think we've, we've discussed this off air as well, Tom. Um, Maybe this side is a bit more based on lots of running. I mean, Oliver Skip's supposed to be quite a tenacious player and then he's been partnered by sometimes a McLean or sometimes a Rupp. I'm not sure I'm massively excited as an outsider by either of those players. And then you've obviously got Superman as the number 10. You know, is, is Superman particularly technical? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. So um, I think that unless, you know, Mario Vranjic starts, he seems to be being a substitute at the moment. But I think if, the, if you start with the midfield that you've had, kind of uh, so far this season, then I would be quite happy as a, as a Blues fan for us to kind of um, condense the space in that final third for Norwich um, and then sort of put more onus on central, the two central midfielders in the double pivot, if you like, to try and progress the ball because I'm not quite sure that they're going to have the um, ability and possession to do that. So I think that's how I crank will look at this game. Yeah, I, I distinctly remember Ita Karanka coming to Carroll Road with his Middlesbrough. I think it was the year of the playoff final and, and, and they won 1-0 and it was quite a, a cultured performance. I remember a, a lot of Norwich fans being pretty wound up by the way they approach it. So it does seem like you have a coach there who knows how to set teams up against the Norwich side that maybe they weren't as possession-based back then, but certainly now who, who will look to try and dictate play and, and, and try and sort of play through Birmingham, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's uh, you've kind of raised a, a, another point there that um, you obviously won promotion kind of by sort of sticking to your principles. I mean, I think you kind of mixed your passing up a little bit in the 18-19 season where sometimes you would be able to kind of play a slightly longer pass, but you never kind of panicked um, with the ball and it was, it was never a case of a 90th minute, let's hoop it, hoof it into the box, you kind of stuck to the way that you played and I look at you this season, you brought in Jordan Hugill and sometimes you've kind of given yourself the option to go even a bit longer this season with the, the direct ball into, into him. So I'm kind of intrigued to see the direction that Daniel Farke takes this side in. And it seems, uh, and from what we've been um, from what's been said about Norwich, that you know the identity in this team hasn't quite taken shape yet. And I do think that that's something that Blue could look to maybe take advantage of. It might not be the worst time to play Norwich. Do you agree with that assessment, Jacob? Do you think Norwich are still finding their identity? We've seen a real blend at, at Rotherham. It wasn't perhaps the, the slick possession play that Norwich fans have 
become accustomed to under under Daniel Farker. Maybe with the with the aside of that sort of equalising goal, where there was a, a real, really good move, a, a real you don't say a Premier League quality move that, that led up to, to that goal. But in terms of the performance as a whole, it wasn't necessarily what Norwich fans have have known under Daniel Farker. Do you feel like there is a, a little bit of evolution in terms of Norwich's style of play now? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one though because obviously first half you played Jordan Hugo. I don't think you get enough crosses into Jordan Hugo, and then obviously with the previous games when Timu Pukki's playing, we're getting so many early crosses. Xavi Quintero in particular, it's an interesting one. I think we're we're here and there with it. You know, you've, you've obviously got Emi Buendia not fully fit, so he's not before the, the the promotion season. It was kind of find him, and he will find that little pocket of space, and will then find Timu Pukki, then puts it into the back of the net simplifying the whole Daniel Farker philosophy there. But um, it, it's a difficult one. I think we're still struggling and getting accustomed to Jordan Hugel's kind of um, stature and how he likes to play play with the game. Um, the wingers as well, obviously, Onel Hernandez now injured. Is Adam Eder really a winger? I think that, that makes us far too narrow when we have him cutting in. And obviously, Emmy likes to come in and drift near that number 10 spot as well. So it's a bit of a difficult one at the moment. I think it's just a little bit too predictable to play against Norwich. I think, Rotherham, if you're going to look at it, they gave us a penalty. They gave us an own goal. <laughs> they got a red card as well. It was probably a little bit more of them kind of self-destructing than Norwich kind of putting them under pressure. But you're right. That first goal was a wonderful move. And hopefully we can see more of that. I really want to see Max kind of getting more towards the byline and drilling those balls into the box because he does cut back a lot. And again, makes the pitch far too narrow for, for my liking. So hopefully we can see a bit more evolution and see it all click and all come together. But at the moment, it's just kind of getting wins on the board whilst the um, performances slowly start getting there. Yeah, I, I think you, you mentioned that and, and we both mentioned that that bit of quality that led to the opening goal. I think we, we probably also saw that in the move that, that got the penalty against Derby, didn't we? In terms of a real mm. slick passing move where Norwich played through a, a, an, an opponent, which again, as as Gab has said, they might need to do tomorrow night if if, if, if Birmingham set up in, in the way we expect. Um, in, in terms of again, sort of the blend of the squad in terms of obviously trying to keep the fundamentals the same in terms of this slick passing style that Daniel Farker likes and we know that he likes from his, from his first three seasons and, and perhaps the variation they're trying to to integrate into the squad now whilst trying to win games. That's a very difficult balance to do at the same time and attempt to evolve your style of play and also win football matches. Do you think, like Daniel Farker has said, that perhaps supporters, us guys in the media as well, are, are kind of putting a, a bit too much pressure on Norwich City's level of performances at this stage of the season. It's changing that mentality as well. I think, Connor, from that losing, like after lockdown, I, I've never seen a, a football team in, in professional football play as badly as we did. We were so, so far off. And change that mentality to them being huge favourites and expected to win every game. I think he is right, you know, obviously when we went up the last time, the, the performances in the first, I'd say, six games were were not really great. Um, the results weren't brilliant either. And then it just kind of clicked and we went on that snowball effect of just win, win, win. Um, yeah, there is pressure, but there's right to be pressure. You know, that squad, we, we should be up there. So I don't think criticism is, is far away. You know, Derby, we were poor. Bournemouth, again, I don't think we were, were anywhere near it. So, and it, at this level, like we were saying earlier, there's no real standout team. So we really should be competitive in every game. I think we are the ones to kind of shoot at in terms of the squad. So in terms of harsh on the performance and the levels, I don't think so because we should be expecting far more from a, a squad of this quality. 
Yeah, I expect that um, expectation against reality conversation is, is going to be one that comes up a lot in, in weeks to come. Um, Gab, let's let's talk about expectation at, at Birmingham City because I think from, from the outside, um, and, and again, I, I am only at the outside, but it, it does feel a little bit sort of chop and change a lot of the time, a little bit unstable. Is 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 that a fair assessment? And if so, what, what it really is the goal at, at Birmingham City, firstly from supporters, but then perhaps from the ownership as well? Yeah, I think the problem you've got at play is, is that since we were relegated to the championship in 2011, we've kind of either um, had very good managers who haven't had much money to spend. You think of Chris Hewton, who you all had, I think, after us, um, Gary Rowett, Gary Monk. Um, and then we've also spent a lot of money on possibly the wrong managers. You think of uh, Harry Redknapp, I think that's about quite a long time, the investment we put into Redknapp. Uh, Zola as well a bit before that and, and arguably that although results weren't atrocious but certainly wasn't massively popular with fans so um, it's going to be interesting to see how things go with uh, with Ida Karanka um, I think really the expectation is um, we need to kind of make ourselves solid which I've mentioned uh, beforehand and I think that's kind of going to be the aim I think what we've seen so far is we're probably not going to be too much better than the bottom sides at this level. We've drawn at home to Rotherham, um, about right that one, and then uh, lost at home to Sheffield Wednesday. Yes, we had some chances towards the end of that game, but probably took a bit too long to get going. Um, but on the flip side of that, we've got a point at Swansea who have started well, and we've beaten Brentford. So I don't think we're going to be too far off the top sides in this league either. So um, I think a mid-table is... is basically what we're looking at after being in relegation battle for a lot of the, the last few seasons. Um, and I think that's something that we're capable of achieving under Karanka's guidance. You, you referenced um, George Friend and, and Adam Clayton, who, again, Norwich fans obviously know well from, from that Wembley um, playoff win for, for Norwich. Um, in terms of the recruitment this summer, Scott Hogan's come in, Jake um, Clark-Salter as well came in on, on, on deadline day. Is it a, a has it been a, a streetwise approach to recruitment, and and is that sort of where Karanka is is trying to take Birmingham into being a very sort of tough, experienced side? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that those additions I've mentioned have. I think in terms of recruitment generally, we've been pretty sound. I mean, looking at um, Neil Etheridge as well, who um, I think you know he's helped Cardiff to promotion before. Um, you know, I think he's a good goalkeeper for this level. And then we've also signed Ivan Sanchez, who's a right-sided player, but he's left-footed. Um, and I do think that Wembley do attack his combination with Maxine Collin, who I'd argue could be a top six champion right back. Um, I think that's something Norwich will have to look out for. Um, but yeah, we've got Jake Clark Salter, who's another left footed centre back. We did quite well on loan with us last season. And then Scott Hogan scored, uh, had a good goal scoring form as well after he joined on loan from Villa. So um, yeah, I think some good recruitment and uh, hopefully that'll help us uh, avoid any sort of relegation danger. And, and and just while we're on recruitment, how, how have Birmingham looked to sort of fill the void left by, by Jude Bellingham? Because that was obviously a, a major departure, raised a lot of eyebrows when he went to Borussia Dortmund. How have, how have you guys sort of gone to, to replace him in, in, in midfield? Yeah, so I think much of the season Bellingham was playing on the left of a four-man midfield in a 4-4-2. This year what we've seen is... Uh, uh, Jeremy Bayer kind of moving to the left. So we signed Sanchez to play on the right and he's kind of cutting inside. So then we've got Bayer who's right-footed 
kind of coming inside from the left. He got that goal on the opening day um, against Brentford as a header from Sanchez's corner. And um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, is it? Because I think if you'd asked me about him last season, I would have said he's very much a classic winger who's very good at getting to the byline and pretty accurate with his crosses. So I was a little bit surprised um, when we'd kind of moved him to the left. Um, I'm still not certain that that's his best position, but certainly that's how Karanka has sort of moved to address it. We've also actually brought in uh, Jonathan Leko, who's a very quick player. He, I think he can play as a forward, but he can also play on the left. He made a very good impact um, from the bench against Jeff Wednesday on Saturday. Um, he's got a bit of pace, which I think was maybe something we missed last season. So, yeah, Leko and Bella are probably the two solutions we've had. Interesting. Um, Jacob, this, this feels like quite a not not a not a decisive week in, in terms of Norwich City's promotion um as uh, ambitions, obviously, but a fairly important one for kind of gaining a little bit of momentum. They're, they're obviously coming off the back of a win against Rotherham, games at home against Birmingham Wickham, which we spoke about expectation. There will be expectation that they are the favourites in both of those games, that they do go out and win them. Is it absolutely vital, do you think, for, for where Norwich City currently sit that they get, I mean, you said minimum of six points, but if they if they get below that, uh, is there going to be, I mean, we, see, seems too early to be asking questions like this, but is, is there going to be serious pressure put on the squads and I guess specifically Daniel Farker, do you think? I think um, tomorrow's game just stinks of a Karanka masterclass, really. So I wouldn't be too surprised if uh, Birmingham come up and uh, get, a, get a point at least. Yeah, I did say six points because that is the expectation. That should be what we're aiming for. I think if you get four, I think you'd be a lot more disappointed to draw to a Wickham than you would be Birmingham because um, you have to be beating Wickham. I know they're the bit of the whipping boys and they've been playing better recently. But if, yeah, if we didn't beat them, then you really would be asking questions. Um, if you don't beat either, then yeah, questions again do have to be asked because you take away the whole momentum from the Rotherham game and result in the, the turnaround, really. I think it's a really tricky one for Norwich because like we've seen, when teams drop back, we seem to struggle. If we can get a decent performance, a couple of decent goals against a, a stout Birmingham side, then, then I think we're, we're heading in the right direction and the fans can begin to um, believe again. <laughs> and, and is this week made bigger by the fact that next week they've got two away games against Brentford and, and Bristol City, which I think the, the way the league is, is shaping up, obviously Bristol City sit, sits up, which after five games means nothing, doesn't it, in reality? But they certainly look in a good way. And of course, Brentford as well, who many people have tipped to be up there. Is it important that Norwich City get points on the board going into those games so they do have a degree of confidence when playing two teams that, um, well, one that is expected to be at the top of the division and, and one that is currently? Yeah, 100%. You want to be beating the teams that you should be beating. This is as obvious as that, really, isn't it? I think if you beat Birmingham and Wickham, then you can head into Brentford, Bristol City and say, you know what, a, a point away from home isn't the worst case scenario. It leaves you in a, a decent standing in the table. I think points are more important than performance at the moment. I know the, the Norwich fans are talking about performance and how it's not really clicking fully yet. I think it's slowly getting there, like we were saying, with the Rotherham game second half, but points at this stage of the season. If you're not playing well, then just get the points on the board and then and then move on from there, really. It's funny because um, we, we've we referenced quite a bit throughout this chat, um, Jacob, me and you, about performances and, and then maybe not being at the level, but Gab's probably looking on, on the outside and saying, well, well hang on a second, <laughs> 63% possession against Rotherham, 21 shots. What isn't there to to like? So, from from your perspective, what what do Norwich City need to do more of to to maybe bring the performances up to a level that people expect them to be? Because I think, and, and Stuart Weber has said in the past that if you get the performances right, often the results will will follow. Which, particularly in this division, does feel like it's the case. Yeah, I just I think against. Um... 
Derby in particular and, and Bournemouth, it just we I I personally didn't think we were going to score. I know Pookie obviously missed the penalty against Derby, but there wasn't enough cuts there. I think Rotherham made it quite easy in terms of the chances we created. Obviously, with their their high press, it, once you did get past that press, there were, there were so many gaps. It was almost like a basketball game. It was so we did have a lot more chance against Rotherham. You just need to see a little bit more unpredictability from Norwich. Like again, like we were saying, if you sit deep against them in a, in a bank of five at the back, four in midfield. You, you are pretty comfortable against them. We need a bit more of the cutting of the lines. and Just a few more opportunities in open play because, let's be honest, we, we're not a threat really from set pieces and more of a threat against ourselves at defending them. Uh, the thing is, Norwich always give, give away a, a key chance. So <laughs> you always are under pressure to at least create one or two key chances. I think we just need to see a little bit more fluidity in, in the play because we've we've got high expectations of this Daniel Fark football now, haven't we? You know, that promotion season was just when everyone was full of confidence. That's what we really need from the side to, to re gain that confidence and, and play those more risky passes. You know, there's too many Lucas Rupp and Dolly Skip are obviously the two that are trusted at the moment, but there's too many sideways passes. There's too many not looking forward, playing those risky passes from, from defence in particular. Hopefully we see that with, with the confidence growing, that there is some more risky passes, more cutting of the line and more movement really. And it makes it uh, not impossible, but a lot more tricky for teams to defend against when they drop deep against us. Can I just ask um, what um, do, you, do you do? You lot see um, Sorensen uh, having a more prominent role inside because uh, when he first signed, uh, I know a few people who, who had watched him who said, you know, um, decent physicality for the league. I think Scandinavian players tend to adjust well physically, and apparently he's supposed to be very good in terms of ball progression. And um, we've we've spoken about Frantic and how he's being used as a super sub, is there a bigger role for him? Do you think there's someone in that Norwich squad who can say, you know, I can take this lack of uh, creativity in midfield and I can take, turn things around and uh, and maybe transform things for Norwich? Because clearly that's been um, a bit of an issue for you so far this season. Yeah, really I think interesting. That's... Sorry, Connor, you go then. <laughs> no, no, you, you go ahead, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, it's really interesting actually you say that because we've been saying that on our, our Canary Cast channel where, where in our promotion season, well, we didn't start well, but Max Aarons came in. Jamal Lewis came in as more of a fixture instead of James' husband. Emi Buendia came in out of the cold. You're like, oh, wow, these are players that can add something different. Marco Stiegman then moved to number 10. For me, I don't see that many players that can come in and be like, oh, wow, this is different to what we've already seen in the start of the season. Maybe Sorensen's slightly different. I, I imagine he's being looked at as potentially a backup centre-back alongside Alex Tete now that obviously um, Tim Close has gone. I just don't think he's fully there yet. You know, if he's not in the 18, there's a reason why. I don't think the, the, the physicality is, is, he looks a big lad. I don't think he's going to be able to cope with the, the uniqueness of the championship. Every kind of player needs a, a, a availability kind of time to slot in like Brandich did in his first season. I think it's a big risk for him. I, don't, I just don't see that many players in this squad at the moment. Apart from the 18 we've seen, really um, offering too much different, but you might say differently, Gonna. Well, I think I think Jakob Sorens is a really interesting one. I think when he when he first signed, I, I got him described um, to me by by someone inside the club as as basically being Tom Tribal but with legs. So, um, <laughs> so make of that what you will. Um, but I, I, he's he, he's been really unlucky with the start of the season, hasn't he? He's, he's obviously had that that poor international break with with Denmark under 21s where Daniel Farke wasn't particularly pleased that he missed two weeks of training essentially to, to go and sit on the bench he, he then got a cold which ruled him out of action for for a while and, and they're really trying to sort of get him up to speed and, and Daniel Farke said in, in his sort of recent press conferences that he thinks it's a, a matter of when and, and not if but um, yeah Jacob's right he, he is kind of 
um, but as a byproduct of, of Tim Close's departure, being being seen as 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 a bit of a makeshift centre back. Um, so whether that is where they they're sort of foreseeing him for now or not, I, I don't know. But um, yeah, the honest truth is I, I don't know because we haven't seen too much of him yet. So it's um, it's certainly going to be an interesting one when he does come in. Jordan Hugill, um, does does he get the nod for you tomorrow night? Yeah, I, I'm really liking how he's kind of coming. I, I wasn't too sure about him when we signed him. You know, it, it stank to me a little bit of Cameron Jerome not scoring enough goals in the championship. Would he be good enough if we made the step up again? But you know what? He's actually a real nuisance to play against. And I, lo- I love his personality. You know, the confidence of him saying after after he scored the penalty, he's like, yeah, I was confident of scoring. Been practising some months, years. Easy, easy as that. And I just like that confidence, you know, he's, again, just, uh, I can't swear on this, but, so he's, he's just a really hard player to play against and you wouldn't want to play against him he's just a real pain so well, um, yeah I, I'd like to see him again really Brilliant we, we look like we've got Gab now um, back oh, so, I'll, so, I'll, so I'll, I'll ask him the, the question um, if, if you're a coach and you're trying to set up a team against Birmingham City, how would you do it? Which areas would you look to exploit? How I'd do it is probably play someone a bit more technical in midfield because, you know, Farker doesn't fancy Sorensen in midfield, which feels a bit like a Godfrey situation in a way. Um, I would look at Vrantic personally. I'd start Vrantic. I think if he's, if he's on the payroll, why not start him? Because he clearly brings something different to that midfield. You've got the work rate of Skip there and um, Stephen Money's pretty hard working turn as well. Um, I think you need someone who's going to bring something a bit different. So I would go with Ranjit from a Norwich um, perspective because I think that um, the way Blees are going to set up is probably going to be to double up on Wendir and condense the space in that defensive third. So I think Norwich needs someone in central midfield in that deeper area who probably aren't going to get closed down as much, um, especially maybe in the second half games if he's higher, who can utilise that extra space and maybe pick a pass in, in so, you know, um, that's maybe a little bit more difficult than. I think Brantich can probably do that a bit better than someone like a Rep or um, or a McLean. So uh, I would probably start with Skip and Brantich in midfield. That would be my solution. Interesting, and, and then just because obviously you, you cover the EFL more broadly, so so I'll ask you this question and 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 get your thoughts on on Norwich at the moment. I know we had a, a bit of a chat sort of pre-season, um, if, if you like, and you you kind of said that you didn't expect them to be in the in the top two debate, maybe necessarily. Um, where do you kind of feel they they are at the moment, taking stock after after five games? Because as, as Jacob has has outlined, and as has been said by a lot of supporters, some people are a bit confused by maybe the approach they're trying to take this season so far. Yeah, I'm still kind of reserving judgment on Norwich, if I'm honest. I think that um, a lot of what uh, one theory you could have behind this sort of mixed start is um, a lot of your better players um, kind of having their minds partially on are they going to get a bigger move. I think that's certainly been the case for Todd Campbell, possibly Emmy Buendir as well, lots of other players like that, and Darren's maybe. Um, although, you know, one or two of those players weren't necessarily massively linked away. I suppose Godfrey did get that move, didn't he? Um, so I, I think there's been a bit of uncertainty because there's so many players coming in that Norwich were kind of waiting to offload maybe a few more players. Um, and I think that's maybe created a bit more uncertainty. So if you're an optimistic Notch fan, you would say maybe now the transfer window is closed. Some of the players who had thought about a move might just sort of settle down. And I think that might help the harmony of the, um, the group, as it were. So um, I think maybe we'll see, given another five games or so, I think if things haven't settled down by then, 
then I think you would have to question whether Norwich do have the potential to sort of push on and, and really get into that topic, as is the expectation on, on Daniel Farker and the team. Um, but so far, I think maybe I'll edge on the lenient side and say things might come together. But I do think that the next couple of home games against ourselves and against Wickham are going to be really important for yourselves because I think if you drop points um, in those games, anything less than four points, um, I think would be another missed opportunity. So, yeah, really important uh, period coming up. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm erring on the side of caution until we get to ten games. I think that's that's the sort of stage where the championship table begins to take some sort of shape, doesn't it? Relatively, so um, Norwich have got what another five games or so to try and uh, to try and get a little bit of consistency. But a win always helps. Um, Jacob, let, let's come to you first. Then, given that the Norwich are the home side, how do you see this one panning out? And then I'm I'm sadly going to ask you for the for the dreaded score prediction. Um, how do you see this game going? I can see Norwich having all of the ball. Um, Ruppen, uh, Ruppen skip starting not seeing that fluidity again 60 minutes might be gone nil-nil potentially 1-0 Birmingham from a corner <laughs> um, and then maybe we'll start seeing changes I can see oh, probably a 1-1 um, I'd love to be more optimistic and say we'll win 2-3-1 but I just don't see where the goals are coming from at the moment from Norwich really the, the, it's too easy to defend against them at the moment if it, especially against a, a Karanka, uh, Karanka side who he knows how to deal against Norwich 100% so I'm going to say 1-1 but um, fingers crossed I'm wrong and we absolutely smash Please. <laughs> I tell you, what, I tell you what. I don't, I don't know if it's something in the water in Norfolk or, or just the way people are, but I, I don't think we've had um, a, a really optimistic Norwich City prediction so far <laughs> this season. So, um, <laughs> which which maybe says um, which maybe says a lot more about um, Norfolk people than <laughs> than anything else. Um, Gav, how do you see this this work this one going for for your boys? It's um, maybe maybe the all of the well all of the pressure is on Norwich. I think going into this game, Karanka will, as we've said, have have his side very well drilled. Are you like Jacob expecting a, a fairly low goal affair? Is 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 that fair from your perspective? Yeah, um, I, I think my prediction will be a nil-nil as well. I think that in the first half, um, I'm not expecting a classic first half. I think Norwich will have a lot of the ball, as Jacob said, and I think Blues will sit tight and keep that defensive third nice and compact. I do they think things could open up a bit more in the second half of games because you're going to see Norwich put a lot more pressure on because it's an important game for yourselves to win. I also think that we might see uh, Jonathan Necco get a longer run out. He's not played for 10 months, so I think Blues are being a little bit cautious with him, but uh, given the impact that he made from the bench against Sheffield Wednesday with 15, 20 minutes to go, um, I think he might get half an hour maybe at the Carrow Road, and I think he's someone who's got the fresh legs of pace to cause problems on the counter attack. So I do think that's something that you've got to be wary of as well. So I think the second half is where the game could open up. Um, so I'll probably go for a nil nil, but I think that we'll maybe see a, a busier second half than the first half. Brilliant. Well, well, I'll go for goals. I'll say, um, I'll say a two-one Norwich win, but um, we, we shall see. Um, gents, thank you very much for for an excellent forty minutes of chat. We got through there, fighting through the technology in the end. But um, <laughs> as, as is the way with uh, with twenty twenty, we, we have to we have to make do with it. Thank you, um, guys, very much for for joining me. I'll put all of their their relevant links in the description where you can where you can check them out. And um, they, they both produce some really good stuff. So um, two guys well worth checking out for No City and and EFL and Birmingham City content more more generally with. Um, with Gab. Uh, thank you very much for watching. We'll of course have another one of these later on in the week as we look ahead to Norwich City's clash with Wickham Wanderers on Saturday. Um, Pinkin.com, the place to go for all of the, the news, and news and views surrounding Norwich City, which is a mouthful on a Monday afternoon. Um, and uh, we will see you all again very, very soon. Stay safe.
Thanks for watching. See you soon.